Today's stuff is Ksubis Taf Samachvav. And we are Be'ezus Hashem in the beginning of a new parak, the sixth parak of Mesechtis Ksubis, about ten lines from the bottom of Taf Samachay Omid Beis. Today's stuff is being learned. Le'ilu Nishmas Chayim Malazar Ben Yabodal Chayim Ripshimshin Arye. So the sixth parak of Mesechtis Ksubis, parak Metzia Soisha, very much picks up. We are the last parak left off, and that is dealing with different schosim and heschaivasim that a husband has towards his wife. Zokta Mishnah, Metzias Ho'isha, if a woman finds a Metzia, as in Elu Metzia Shaloi, Umaisa Yodel, or if a woman earns income, Labaila, they both belong to her husband. The Yerushasa, if a woman yarshins something while she's married, she owns the karen of whatever it is she inherited. However, the Baal has a schos to eat the peris. It's what's known as peris nechsamalok. If somebody embarrasses a woman, as a result, has to pay demei boishas. Or if somebody physically damages a woman, as a result, has to pay nezek. The halach is, she herself gets to keep it. So although a lot of the monetary things that she acquires during her marriage belong to her husband, but those two things she gets to keep. Rabbi Yudah Ben-Beseyra said, it's not so posh. In the event that this Begam was something that was Beseyser, meaning it's not something that you could see, then Shnechalok she keeps two of the chalakim, she gets two-thirds of it, but he keeps one-third. If, however, this wound or whatever it was is something that when she walks in the street, people are going to notice it's on her face, for example, then he gets to keep two-thirds, and she keeps one-third. The chalak that he's going to get he receives right away, Shallah, and the chilek that she's going to get, Yilokech Behem Karka, what they do is they buy property with it, and he gets to eat the peiros. Either way, a Mishnah, which of course is going to now bring a Gemara that's going to discuss some of these halachas, says the Gemara. The Mishnah began, If a woman finds a lost object, or if a woman earns income, the is that what she earns is going to belong to her husband. Additionally, if she yarshins anything, she gets to keep the Karen, but he gets to eat the Peres, the Takana of Peres Nachsamalok. Why do I need the Mishnah to tell me all this? We already learned this in a Mishnah. In fact, Earlier, Masechtis Ksubis, a few weeks ago, the Mishnah says, If a man has a daughter, that's either a Ketana or a Naira, so he has a lot of schosim in that daughter. Number one, he has the right to be Mekadesh, that daughter. And he can be Mekadesher in any way of the three ways that a woman is Mikudeshes, either Kesef or Shtarubi. Additionally, Zakai bin Tsiyasa. If a Ktana or a Naira would find a lost object, the father would be the one that would get to keep it. Uba Maisidev, she earns any income, he keeps to, he gets to keep it. Uba Faris If she makes a nether, the father has a schus in his daughter that if he doesn't want this nether, he could be made for the nether. Mikabalaskito. If he was Mikadesher and now 
the husband wants to divorce this girl, the father, just like he was able to do the Kedushin, he could also be on the other side of the get. He can accept her get. However, there's no Allah of Peros, quote-unquote, when it comes to a, a father and a daughter. Nisses, if a girl gets married, so now she leaves the Rishos of her father. Nisuin is Moitzi from the Rishos of her father, and it puts her into the rishos of her husband. Yes, sir, all of Abal, says the Mishnah, the husband's going to have all the schosim that the father had, but in addition to that, he has another schos, and that is, he gets to eat the peris nechsimelo. Now, what do you see from this Mishnah? You see from this Mishnah that a father has a whole bunch of schosim in his daughter. You also see from the Mishnah that any schos that a father has in his daughter, a husband has in his wife. And so, yes, sir, all of Abal, but anything that a father has in his daughter, the husband has in his wife. If you look more carefully at the Mishnah, the Mishnah said, Ha'av zakai bebitoi bimitziyasa u'be So it's mefurish in the Mishnah that the father has a schos in her mitziyah and in her ma'isiyadayim. If that's the case, Frank the Gemara, why would our Mishnah have to say mitziyah so isha um ma'isiyadayim Isn't that already mefurish in the Mishnah on daf menvavah mebeis? Because if the Mishnah on menvavah mebeis said that the father is zoichin the mitziyah and the ma'isiyadayim of his daughter, and the Mishnah also said that any schos that a father has in his daughter, a husband has in his wife, and some, so b'chalal mosayim mano, a Husband has the schos of mitziyah, so umay siyodel. And if that's the case, why would our Mishnah need to review this halacha? So the Gemara says, you want to know what the Chiddush of the Mishnah is? Boishto upgamo itzdrichalai. The Chiddush of this Mishnah is the halacha that the husband gets the boishto upgam, or better, plukta the rabbi dubem seyav rabban. Really, a machloik is whether the husband gets the boishes upkam or whether she keeps the boishes upkam herself. That's not something that there's any indication to from the Mishnah and Daf Memvav on the days. And it's for that reason, says the Gemara, our Mishnah was repeated, meaning, that's something we would have known from the Mishnah Memvav on the days. And in theory, this Tana here in this Mishnah would not have had to repeat it. But the Mishnah did need to say the halacha of boishto upkam because that's already a big time machloik is between Rabbi Deben Beseir and the Chachamim. That's not something we know from the Mishnah Menvav Amadez. So instead of just running right into Baishtub Gamma, a little bit of an introduction. The time of the Mishnah set up the halacha. Usually the introduction is stating the obvious, and then you build up to the Chiddush that's about to come. So the Tana warmed us up a little bit to the Sugya, and then eventually told us what he really wanted to tell us. And that is the halacha that Baishto Upgamma is going to be Shalot. Incidentally, it sounds like from the Gemara that the Yerushasa, that halacha of Yerushasa is Mefurish in the Mishnah. And the truth is, it is Mefurish in the Mishnah. Because the Mishnah says, Yeser olav abal, shehu oichel peres bechayah. Which means, the concept of peres nachsamalog, which is that line of Yerushasa, hu oichel peres bechayah. The only reason I'm mentioning it is, is because if you look in Rashi on the Mishnah, Rashi has a Lishnah Rino. Rashi has a, another Girsa or another Pshat in what that line might mean the Yerushasa who oichel peres bechayel and Toisvis brings the second Toisvis in the Perek from Rabbeinu Tam that Rabbeinu Tam said that it's poshet that the girsa that we explain the Mishnah with is the proper girsa because if Pshat and Yerushasa who oichel peres bechayel is going to be Rashi's other Pshat Ayin Sham 
that other pshat was not mentioned in the Mishnah in Ksubis Mem Vav And if that's the case, if the Gemara is trying to find what the Chiddush of this Mishnah is, the Ta, the Gemara would not have had a jump to Boishta Upgama, the Machloikis, Rabbi Huda ben Maser, and the Chachamim. What the Gemara could have said was, Viyirushasa, that line is already the Chiddush. And from the fact that the Gemara did not say that, it sounds like the only Chiddush in the Mishnah is the Machloikis Tanam regarding Boishta Upgama, Zok Rabbeinu Tam. That's only true if you are Mefarish the Mishnah, Viyirushasa, who Oichal Peres Bechayah, the way we were Mefarish the Mishnah. But if you're going to learn Rashi's Lishna Achrino, then it's a nice Pshat. But it's not in the Mishnah. In and if it's not in the Mishnah, then the Gemara should have said that that's the Chiddush of this Mishnah. That and the Machloik is repeated by Messiah and Baishas of Kam. And from the fact that the Gemara didn't do that, that's a raya that whatever the Yerushas Waikha Peres Bechayev means, it's Kishmak. Is mefurish in the Mishnah in Ksubis Mevavam and Beis. So Rabbi Nutam said from the two pshatim that Rashi brings, only the first pshat is mefurish in the Mishnah. Earlier must be that's the real pshat in our Mishnah. Either way, so we mentioned Metzias Haisha Umaisi Yodeha Labayla. That's what the Mishnah says. The Mishnah, we know, was written in And Very often, there's information that's very pertinent to the sugya that the Tana of the Mishnah chose not to include. Where was that information included? Often in the wordier and lengthier prices. The Gemara now is going to bring a price that adds just a little bit of language and is going to give us a little bit of a Gemara here. Tani Tanaka made the Rava. There was a Tana that said over a price in the presence of Rava. He said as follows, Isha La'atzma. There was a Tana that held that if a woman finds a Mitzia, she doesn't have to give it to her husband. She could actually keep it for herself. Rabbi Akiva, Aimer Lebaila. It was Rabbi Akiva that said Lebaila. So we have a Mishnah here in Ksuba Samacher and Beis Mitzia So Isha. We also have a Mishnah, the Gemara just said, in Ksubis Memvavam that says, Mitzia so Isha Labayla. Zok the Gemara, that really it's the sheet of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva is the one that holds that Mitzia so Isha is Labayla. By the way, it's always wonderful when a Stan Mishnah is Rabbi Akiva, because Stan Mishnah is Rameir. Torah that he said over from his Rebbe, Rabbi Akiva. Rameir had Several rabbis, he learned Rabbi Akiva, he learned Rabbi Shmuel, he learned by Acher, Alicia Baravua, but Stam Mishnah is Rab Meir, Valibad Rabbi Akiva. So in this price, it's really a machlokes tano. Metzias Isha Atzma, it's Rabbi Akiva that said the Bible. Our Mishnah is going Alibad Rabbi Akiva for now, anyway. Zok to Gemara, Omalei. So Rava told this tano. Hashto, I have a problem with saying that Rabbi Akiva is the town of our Mishnah, and he holds that Metzias Ha'isha is going to be the Bible. Why? He said, Uma Hadofa, the Maisiyodel, Madach if a woman earns income, and then she has Hadofa, so she makes extra money. What does Hadofa mean? It means in addition to what a woman needs to earn to fulfill her end of the Mezoinus Maisiyodayim relationship, any extra income is what we know as Hadofa. Now, Rabbi Akiva Shita is, as it relates to Hadofa, that she gets to keep it. How do you know that? Um, Rabbi Akiva said it's hers. Mitzvah also like Koshkin, then certainly she should be able to keep her mitzvah. Now, where do you find that? The Tanam learned in the Mishnah, and if this Mishnah sounds familiar, it's because we learned this Mishnah in the very intense Le'il Daf Nuntes Amad Aleph. So a woman makes a nether, and she said that any income that I'm going to earn is going to be ushered to you, my husband. So, 
lehafer, the husband doesn't have to be made for the nether. The reason is because that maizedayim is meshubit to the husband, and because it's meshubit to the husband, she has no right to make it osur to him. Rabbi Kiva Omer Yafer. Rabbi Kiva says, no, the husband should. Shemetadif alav yosem in aroyiloy. Because the only maizedayim that the husband has a schusin is the ikra maizedayim. But any odef, any hadafa, anything that she earns in addition to what she needs to earn is something that belongs to her. And because it belongs to her, if she would make a nether, the nether would be chal. So you see, Rabbi Akiva has a shita that the hadotha of Maisiyadayim belongs to the Isha. So the Gemara holds that if Rabbi Akiva holds that she keeps her hadotha Maisiyadayim, certainly she should keep her Metziah. What's the certainly? What's the Kalvachimer? So Rashi says, because being that a woman doesn't keep the Iker Maisiyadayim, that she gives to her husband, Tachas Mezoinus, you could have heard a svara that the hadotha of the Maisiyadayim she shouldn't either keep. Because once the ikr of the maizidim is going to the husband. So maybe any extra income, we're going to start sitting and saying, this dollar you keep and this dollar you don't keep. So there's for sure a, a svara to say that she should have to give the adafa to her husband. Yet the she gets to keep it for herself. So where we don't have any real objective reason why we should be giving it to the husband, for sure she should be able to keep it. So if Rabbi Akiva holds, she keeps the adaf of the Maizidim, certainly she should keep the Metziah. So what's the kasha? Rabbi Akiva is the Tana, the Mishnah. He's the one that holds Metziah, so Isha Lebailo. If Rabbi Akiva holds that the woman keeps the adaf of the Maizidim, Kalvachaymer, the Gemara's kasha is, she should keep the Metziah. Says the Gemara, Ela Epoch. So you have to say it's true. You have to flip the Tanoim in the Braiso. Metziah, so Isha Lebailo, that was the sheet of the Tana Kama. That's the Stam Mishnah here in Perak Metziah, so Isha, and the Stam Mishnah Le'ilma and Vav Rabbi was the one that said La'atzma, and it's Rabbi Akiva L'shitasoy. Rabbi Akiva that says she keeps the hadaf of her ma'asiyadayim, so too Rabbi Akiva holds that she's going to keep her mitzvah. But the Gemara says, I have another cash. Because when Ravim came from Eretz Yotavavel, he reported in the name Rabbi Yochanan, and he said as follows, that even though there seems to be a machloik is Rabbi Akiva, and the Chachamim, whether a woman has a schus to keep the hadafa of Ramayis Yedayim, whether she has to give it to her husband. Again, where do you see it? From the Mishnah. For a woman makes a nether that I'm making my Ramayis Yedayim also to you, my husband, the husband doesn't have to be made for it. Why? Because the husband has a schus in the Ramayis Yedayim. Rabbi Akiva says he should be made for it because of the Ramayis Yedayim. He doesn't have a schus in the hadafa of the Ramayis Yedayim. So it seems like there's a machloikis here whether the husband has a schus in the hadafa or doesn't have a schus in the hadafa. But Ravin said over for Rabbi Yochanan, that this machloike should not be taken out of context. And if this sounds familiar, it's because we did speak this out, and that is, everybody agrees that if a woman earns hadafa, but it's it comes very natural to her. She does it very, very easily. So ordinarily, if a person would have a certain job, they would earn X amount of income, meaning you're putting this amount of hours into the day, this is what you would earn. This woman is very tichtig, and as a result, she puts in the same amount of time, and she earns more money. That hadafa, everybody agrees the balhava. It belongs to the husband. In the event that she has to work hard for it. That's the only time that... We have a machloikis, and it's the only time there will be a kiva holds that she gets to keep the hadaf of the ma'asidim. Tanakama sova, the Tanakama holds the bylaw that it goes to the husband. All hadafa goes to the husband, even if she had to exert herself, even if it came out of the it doesn't matter. Any hadaf, all ma'asidim goes to the husband. Rabbi Akiva sova la'atzma, it's only over here that Rabbi Akiva holds la'atzma that she's going to keep it for herself. In other words, 
Rabbi Akiva agrees that the hadafa that comes, shaloy al yedeat chak, is going to belong to the husband. The only hadafa that Rabbi Akiva holds that she gets to keep is the hadafa that comes al yedeat chak. Now, what's a metziah? If you're going to look at a metziah, compare it now to the hadaf of the Maizidayim, which is what the Gemara is doing, to try to formulate Rabbi Akiva Shita regarding metziah, would you compare it more to hadaf al or more hadaf al-yadei al You would think a metziah is something that you just bump into. It's something that shloy al-yadei So if Rabbi Akiva Shita is that hadaf shloy al-yadei does go to the husband, then mehechatesi, and why would it be that Rabbi Akiva would hold that metziah so'isha, which is also shaloy al should end up being la'atzma. So first the Gemara thought that how could Rabbi Akiva hold metziah so'isha is la'bailo if Rabbi Akiva holds that the hadafa of the ma'isiyah da'im is something that she keeps for herself. Right? The Gemara thought that if she keeps the hadafa of the ma'isiyah da'im, for sure she should keep the metziah. The Gemara says, you're right, 100%. Let's switch it. Let's say that Rabbi Akiva tak is the one that holds that metziah so'isha goes la'atzma, just like she keeps the adof of the ma'isi adayim, so too she gets to keep her metziah. Oh, so now it's very good. If I care, Rabbi Kiva holds that you keep the hadof of the ma'isi adayim, Rabbi Kiva also holds you keep the metziah. Oh, but the Gemara's kasha is, even though it's true, Rabbi Kiva holds you keep the hadof of the ma'isi adayim, it's only when it's al-yadeh atchak, not when it's shaloy al-yadeh atchak. So if you're going to draw a parallel now to metziah, metziah is... And if still it's a ha'ara, mehechatesi, Rabbi Akiva Shita should be, that Metziah Sa'isha should be la'atzma. Amra Papas, Rabbi Papas said, I disagree with your premise. Metziyasa ke hadafa sha'al yadeh atchak dami. You think a Metziah is like hadafa sha'al yadeh atchak. A Metziah is like hadafa sha'al yadeh atchak. And being that Rabbi Akiva holds that hadafa yadeh atchak is la'atzma, that's why Epoch Rabbi Akiva Shita is also going to be that Metziah Sa'isha is going to be la'atzma. Now, does that even make sense? A, a metziah is something that's ayadeh chak. When you think of perigelu metziahs, you think a person's walking in the street and all of a sudden, wow, peroi smifuzarim, are lying on the side of the ground, right? That's usually the way you think about it. So Rashi says, the roiv metziahs, tzorich l'chazer achareim. Roiv metziahs, you actually have to try to find. Kegoyim. Sometimes you have fish that are on the bottom of the lake when it dried up. Or you find a wounded deer. There were people that literally, they were treasure hunters. They would go out of the way with shovels and, and try to dig for gold. But the point is, is that there's this idea that roiv metziyos are actually bal and that's shot in this shita's Rabbi Akiva. It's true, metziyos isha lebaila, that's the shita of the Tana, the Mishnah. However, However, Rabbi Akiva argues, Rabbi Akiva holds la'atzma. Why does he hold la'atzma? Because this is Rabbi Akiva l'shitasai. Rabbi Akiva in that halacha of koinim shani yoyse holds that any hadafa sh'ayadei atchak, the woman gets to keep for herself, and we view a metziah as hadafa al yedei atchak. Incidentally, it gives new meaning to yogati umatzasi. Yogati umatzasi. Metziah comes through yegiyah. Zok to gemara. Boy, wrap up. Wrap up. Add a shayla. As it relates to Rabbi Akiva's halacha. Rabbi Akiva's halacha, that hadofa shal yedeyat is something that the woman gets to keep for herself. So how do we define al yedeyat chak? So till now we said a simple definition is that she has to exert herself a little bit more. Meaning, she's putting more koiches into this labor that it is she's doing, and as a result, she's earning more income. Because it comes from more energy that she's exerting, she has a schos to keep it for herself. Says the Gemara, What if a woman 
did a malacha. She didn't exert any extra energy in this exact malacha. This sounds like a Shiloh Rabbi Yirmiya would ask. But rather, she was able to do another malacha. She multitasked. So instead of doing one thing, she's doing two things. So ultimately, she's earning more income. And it's from exerting more energy, but it's not more energy in this particular malacha. She's just doing two malachas at the same time. By Ravina, Ravina said, Papa, you think that's a shayla? I'll ask you a better shayla. What if you did three or four? And the Gemara says, Take for this, we're going to have to wait for in order to give us the answer. So, how does a woman do four malachas at the same time? Sarashi tells us. Shemeris Kishuim. Number one, she was watching Kishuim. She was watching cucumbers. But the point is, so she, she watches a garden. And while she does that, she's spinning thread. And she's also teaching women how to sing. And she has base, she has eggs inside her cake on her lap and she's keeping them warm. So all four of these things are earning her income. She's doing it I guess there's some element over here of al However, it's through four malachas. And that's the question. If this halacha, adof al is only in that individual malacha, what if it's four independent malachas? That was the shayla. Then the Mishnah said, what happens if somebody embarrasses or if somebody damages this woman? Tanakama says, Shalom, she gets to keep it. Rabbi Yudhim Emesayer says, not true. She divides it together with her husband. Okay, how do we divide it? It depends. If it's Beseser, if it's something that not everybody sees, so she gets to keep two-thirds, he gets one-third. If it's Begoloi, then he keeps two-thirds and she keeps one-third. Now, what's the concept? Why would it be this way? For Boi So the thought is that if somebody embarrasses a married woman, her husband also got embarrassed. And if somebody damages a married woman, so her husband has a hefzit as well. As for that reason, we divide it, and the division is per the way the Mishnah discussed it. Maskif lo rovu baravchan, it's a rovu baravchan, and ask the kasha on the sheet of Rabbi Huda ben Maseira. You embarrass a married woman, you're not just paying boishas to the married woman, you're paying boishas to the husband as well. So you said, Elamiyat, if that's the case, bayish su sosoy shal chaber, hachanabi the bayilu mitin la, if somebody would embarrass somebody's sos. So there too, you're going to tell me the same Allah, Zimar says, what shaykh is boishas besus bar boishasu? If somebody embarrasses a person's sus, the person was not embarrassed. Of course, the sus is not embarrassed. It's not the punchline of the Gemara. The point is that the person himself is not embarrassed. You, you've ashamed my sus. You've ashamed my wife. That's embarrassing. Ella. No, we mean something else. If somebody would spit on his friend's baguette, would you have to pay boishas? Now, then you can hear it already, because if you're spitting on a person's baguette, then... You're embarrassing the beggar. No, you're embarrassing the person. The person has busyness from it. Now, you can tell me, maybe that is the If somebody spit at somebody, and the rake landed on the person, or somebody exposed the hero of a woman, or the hever talisa, somebody took off somebody's clothing, and this is in a public area, you embarrass them. And what's the boishas? 400 zos. Here it's probably not a guzman. That's only true. That's if the spit landed on the person. But if it landed on the person's baguette, potter. is he's going to be potter. Now the Gemara assumes, what's the reason? Somebody spits on a person and it lands on his forehead, boishas, 400 zos. If a person spits at somebody and it lands on his rekel, no, then you're going to be potter. Why well, are you embarrassed him either way? The Gemara assumes, the chilik probably is, the only time you pay boishas is if you embarrass the person directly. But if you embarrass the person indirectly, there's no chiyah boishas. So the Gemara says, if that's the case, if you embarrass a married woman, even though it's true, the husband's embarrassed, I hear that. But at the same time, it's indirect. Why is it different than if you spit on his baguette where you embarrassed him? But at the same time, there's no boishas. So the Gemara says, no, it's not true. Really, if you embarrass someone, 
even indirectly, the halacha is you would have to pay boishas to the person. I, why if you spit on his bag, it is there no boishas? The Gemara says, because big day, less lazy lusa, ishtu, less lazy lusa. Because if you spit on someone's bag, it's not embarrassing to the person. You hit him on the head, that's embarrassing. You hit him on his bag, that's not embarrassing. But if you embarrass a person's woman, a wife, then it is embarrassing to him. As for that reason, it's going to be a problem. Meaning, at the end of the day, Rabbi Yudam says, if you embarrass a married woman, the husband was embarrassed. As a result, you have to pay by system. another question. Let's say somebody embarrassed an Oni, an Oroman, but he's a Ben Toivin. He comes from a, a very wealthy, a very prominent family. Every family member is embarrassed now because of what just happened. Do you have to pay Boishas for every Ben Mishpacha, you would think, yeah, right? We're dealing with someone that was Chayvul Bechaveri. Chayvul Bechaveri, you have to pay. Chay Bechamisha Dvarim. Nezik Tzari Pushevis Boishas. Boishas is very interesting because if you embarrass a family member and everyone in the family gets busyoyness, maybe you should have to write a check, Boishas, to every single individual in the family that was embarrassed. And the Allah, the Gemara, thinks for sure is that's not the case. So if that's not the case, what's Pshan Rabbi Yudam Abbasayra? Rabbi Yudam Abbasayra is tiny that you embarrass a married woman, you have to pay Boishas to the husband, one third, two thirds. If that's the case, you're creating an incredibly far-reaching precedent in all Baishas. Because now every single time a person does something that has Baishas, you literally have to figure out every person that indirectly had Bezioinus from this. And you're going to have to... So for example, in the extreme case, if someone was Mavayish and Oni Ben Toivim, every third cousin got Bezioinus from this. And as a result, based on that, you should have to start having all this. And the Gmarsas can't be that's the case. So Amalei's Rav Ashi told Ravina, I hear you, Kasha... This is the terrorist. You're right. If someone embarrasses Ruvain and Shimon gets boishas from it, you don't have to pay boishas to Shimon. You have to pay boishas to Ruvain. 100%. I, why is a married woman who gets embarrassed is the halacha coin to Peter I'm sorry, you have to pay boishas to the husband because ishtoi is gufai. The hoyulabasar echad which we know has implications in halacha. As for that reason, there's a halacha that you would have to pay boishas. It's not because, oh, the husband's getting embarrassed. You're right. If that's the case, only ben toivim, every member of the family, you would have the same exact cheshman. The teretz is, because over here we're dealing with a wife, ishtois kegufai. So when you embarrass the wife, it's as if you embarrass the husband. If it's as if you embarrass the husband, if you embarrass him, you'd have to pay boishas. So now that you embarrassed her, you would have to pay the same boishas. Zok de Mishnah weiter. The Mishnah now is going to discuss halachos related to the Nedunya. So it's very, very commonplace that when a woman got married, her father would promise a Nedunya. She, he would promise that this woman is going to come into this marriage with money. What happened to that money? Meaning, how was the money viewed from a halachic perspective? So that gets involved in the sugis of Nech Samalog and Nech Barzal. Not something we're going to get into. One thing is for sure that in the event that she gets divorced or he dies, she gets the Nedunya. So when she collects her ksuba, included in that is she collects the Nedunya. When the marriage is terminated because she died, the halach is he then gets the Nadunya. It's part of the Yerusha. Yashin's the Ksuba, meaning he doesn't have to pay the Manu Masayim, he doesn't have to pay the Taisvis Ksuba. Included in that, he also gets to now keep the Nadunya. So the Mishnah is going to discuss some interesting halachos related to the Nadunya at the time that the Ksuba is being written, how exactly it's booked. 
from a, a dollars and cents from a financial perspective. Says the Mishnah, somebody promised an adunya to his son-in-law, and then his son-in-law died. And Rashi says, very important, to the rest of the story, and that is, that she now fell, and this is in the olden days, the Mishnah Rishayinah, where there's going to be our Yibum now. So now the brother just did Yibum. So the question is, what happens to the adunya? So Reuven and Shimon are brothers, Reuven dies, he left over no children. Shimon did Yibum. Because Shimon did Yibum, Shimon now takes over his late brother's marriage. The Ksub obligation, etc. The question is, there was an Adunya that was promised. And the Shved didn't give the Adunya yet. The question is, does he have to give it? Does he not have to give it? Amru Chachamim, the Chachamim said, Yochol hu The Shved has a right to say, I wanted to give it to your brother. I wasn't interested in giving it to you. If my wife would have been married, my daughter would have been married to Reuven, there would have been an Adunya. Oh, but not to you. So ordinarily, you can't back out in an Adunya. Hein, hein, dvarim, aniknim, bamira. Also, Sugi, we're going to learn later in the Masechta. But, but now, all we need to know is, is that the whole schaivis was only made towards Ruvain, not towards Shimon. And even though in the lumbus of Yavamis, Shimon's taking over Ruvain, etc., etc., it doesn't matter. Bottom line is, he only intended on giving it to Ruvain, not in giving it to Shimon. And as a result, Shimon does not get the Nadunya if the Shver doesn't want to give it to Shimon. Another Allah. If a woman brought a thousand dinar into her marriage. Meaning, the shver gave an adunya, and the adunya was elef dinar, which is a lot of money. So the halach is, who poise kinegdom, chamesh esrei mana. So when they write the ksuba, and this is something that's done, halach alamaisa, when they write the ksuba, they don't write elef dinar. What they write is 1,500 mana. They write chamesh esrei mana. Meaning, they add an extra 50%. And the reason is because we're hoping that this couple is going to be Zoycha to build a bias Nevan of Yisrael and they're going to live happily ever after. Which means that this Shver is giving uh, a thousand dinar right now at the onset of this marriage. And chances are that she's not going to collect it for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. A lot of time will have passed from now until then. And as a result, this money would have lost a lot of earning potential had the shver had the money or had the daughter had the money. So what we do is we take into account the fact that this money, at the time that she's going to get it, will have been devalued based on inflation or based on opportunity costs a lot from what it was worth at the time. And he has to make up some of that difference. And the way Chazal said you make up the difference is you add another 50%, right? So just to talk a little more English. So $1,000 today and 20 years from now is probably going to be worth more than $1,000. So you have to take that into account. And because you have to take that into account, instead of simply writing in the Ksuba, this goes into the Ikka Ksuba. You don't just write in the Ksuba, oh, that the woman brought in $1,000. No, you write that she brought in $1,500. I, she only brought in $1,000 because the Ksuba is reflecting what he's going to have to pay in the event that this marriage is terminated. And what he's going to have to pay is this extra above and beyond what she actually brought in, taking into account the fact that the money goes down in value, all, all this opportunity cost that's being left on the table. And for that reason, you're going to write $1,500. you are not going to write 1000 What happens if she brought into the marriage, not money, not cash, but what she brought into the marriage was she brought metaltalin, something that requires a shuma. That's why it's called shum. It requires some sort of assessment to figure out how much it's worth. Then the Allah is just the opposite. Who poisik? 
Pachos Chaimish. Then when they write the Ksuba, they write that it was one-fifth less than what it was. So if she brought $1,000 worth of Schaira, so you're going to write in the Ksuba that it was only $800. I it was $1,000. So Rashi says there's two reasons that we do that. Rashi says, number one, a lot of metaltolin depreciates in value because of wear and tear. So as a result, yeah, it's $1,000 now, but at the time that there's going to be a payout, it's not going to be worth the same $1,000. So yeah, the responsibility of the husband is to give back what it is he received. Yeah, at the time that he received it, it's $1,000. But now, at this point, it's not $1,000 anymore. So there's no reason you should have to give $1,000. Rather, you're going to take the depreciation into, into account. Another reason Rashi says is that when they used to assess the metallotlin, they would always assess it you know, in a rebbish way. They would make it sound a lot better than it really was. And the reason was, they wanted it to sound like by Kriyas Ksuba. Right, today Kriyas Ksuba is pretty boilerplate. But once upon a time, everybody sitting there with baited bread. It was the most interesting part of the chasana. Like, everybody sitting, hmm, let me see, taka vashtayin ksuba. Taka wondering, right? we'll see Gemara soon, where there was like real dollars, real shekels flying all over the place in the Kriyas Ksuba. That was the quietest part of the chuppah. So everyone's sitting and they, they want to hear what's going to happen. But when they used to make this assessment with all the metaltalin, so they would do it in a way where it would be a lot more than it was just to make everybody happy. Wow, you heard about this marriage and you heard Azak, Suba. But they understood that the number was inflated. And because they understood the number was inflated, tachas, when they would write it down, they would write it a little bit less. It was always pachas chaimish. Now the Mishnah is going to repeat these things a few times. Shum b'mana. What happens if they assess something out of money and it's really taka worth a money? Meaning, they had metallophilin, they assessed it from money, it's taka money, then ain't no then anachanam, then they do a dollar for dollar. I mean, it's all based on an assumption that the number's off by a little bit, but if it's taka not off and it's not something that wears and tears so that there's no depreciation, that needs to be taken into account. In that case, that's not going to be the halacha. Shum b'mana. Let's say the assessment or it in ksuba is that she's delivering metallophilin that are worth a money. So how much does she really have to deliver? We said that in most cases, what it says in the ksuba reflects 80% of what it really is. So then she's going to have to give 125% of a money, right? They always reduced it by one-fifth. So whatever it says is one-fifth less than what it's worth, which means that if you look at it from the other perspective... If you know what it says, so then you know the shuma needs to be 125% of that. So if it says mana, then he noisenes, what she's going to have to give is shloishim ve'echot sela v'dinar, which Rashi says is 125% of that number. Uba'arba meyos, if it says 400, again, being that they're writing in the ksuba a fifth less, so that means that the time of the shuma, when they're going to sit down, it has to be something, something that the shuma is going to reflect 500. Whatever the chasen says he's going to give, ultimately it ends up being one fifth less, that's the way they write it in the ksuba, Sounds like we just repeated ourselves a bunch of times. Sounds a little bit unclear. The Gemara is going to sort this out. So, Zalk the Gemara. There were two halachas that were really said in the Mishnah. The first halacha was that if a Shver promises in a dunya and then his daughter ends up falling the Yibum and she ends up marrying the brother, he didn't give the Nadunya yet. If he wants to back out, he could back out. Why? Because he could say, I wanted to give it to your brother. I wasn't interested in giving it to you. Tanur Rabban and Abraisa, that 
elaborates and expands on this halach it goes without say that if Reuven was a Talmud Chacham and Shani is an Amaretz right in the stories of Yibum all we know is that Reuven and Shimon are brothers one might be an Amaretz the other might be a Talmud Chacham one might be a Rosh Hashiva the other one might be well, we don't know anything about them so says the Brisa it doesn't matter if the first one's a Talmud Chacham or if the second one's an Amaretz that means that's Pasha he could say I wanted to give it to my Adam the Talmud Chacham I didn't want to give it to the Amaretz. I feel a reach in Amaretz for Shani Talmud Chacham. Here's the Chiddush. Even if Ruvain is an Amaretz and Shimon's a Talmud Chacham, so you would have thought now already doesn't have such a Kayach Hataina because for sure he wants to be Mahana Minachas of the Talmud Chacham. Still, I know he is better in learning as aggressor alamdim, but still, I'm not interested in giving it to you. I want to give it to him. This Aidan was more nice by me. This is the one I wanted to give it to, and as a result, this halach is going to hold true in any one of these cases. So the Mishnah mentioned the halacha that when it comes to the Shuma, in the event that she's bringing into her Ksuba Metaltalin, so now there's going to have to be an assessment, so we assume that whatever the assessed value is at the time, when they write the Ksuba, they're not going to write dollar for dollar what that was, but they're going to knock off 20%. Why? We said for two reasons, because number one, at the time that the Ksuba is going to be paid, we understand that Metaltalin will have depreciated someone in value. Additionally, they used the Dafka make the number sound a little bit more exciting, but the Mishnah didn't just say it once, it didn't just say it twice, and didn't just say it three times. If you look carefully in the Mishnah, the Mishnah really said it four times. And the question is, why four times, right? The Mishnah said, right? You write in the Ksuba, who Paisek means you can write in the Ksuba, one fifth less. Additionally, the Mishnah said that if it was a Shumba Mana, the Shuma said Mana, if the Ksuba says Mana, so that means. Really, the Shuma has to be more than a mana. It has to be a mana plus 25%. If the Ksuba says 400, so that reflects 20% less. So whatever the Shuma is going to be, it better be. It's going to have to be 500. And then again, So literally, four times we had the same halacha. Isn't this all the ratio? So the Gemara says, The Mishnah is talking about big numbers and small numbers. So, for example, we have the Shum and then we have the Arbameyos Zuz. So we have a bigger number and we have a smaller number. Additionally, Tana Shuma Viktani Shuma We looked at it from the standpoint of what she was bringing and we looked at it from the standpoint of what he was writing in the Ksuba. Right? So if she brings something that's worth 500, you can write 400. If in the Ksuba it said 400, then she has to bring 500. From his perspective, from her perspective, what does that mean? So Rashi says what it means is, who actually did the Shuma? And that's the point of the Mishnah. It doesn't matter. So whether she's the one that said, oh, here, I'm bringing you Nechassim and the Shuma is 500. You're going to write 400. And if he wrote in the Ksuba 400, then, because he's the one that did the Shuma, then the Allah is still going to be 500. So this ratio of whatever the Shuma is, the Ksuba is going to say 80% of that, that's true regardless of whether he's the one that did the Shuma or she's the one that did the Shuma. More on this topic. like If a woman agreed not to bring metalton but to bring money. Salah. If she agreed on a Salah, that's what the Ksuba is, a small dollar amount. You're going to write in the Ksuba that she really brought six dinar. This is also redundant, right? Basically, what we're saying is that if she brings cash, so then he 
marks it up by by 50%, right? So the number is going to reflect 150% of what it really was. And now we just hazard that. We were hazard what happens if she brings Batalkalim four times, and now we just hazard what happens if she brings Mezumin a second time. The Gemara is going to ask us. Another halacha. The Chosin takes upon himself for every mana that the woman brings into the Nidunya, he takes upon himself to give 10 dinarim lekupa. To the basket. What does that mean? The Gemara is going to explain. Reb Shimon Ben Gamliel. Reb Shimon Gamliel says that's not true. I call Kamina Gamadino. Everything works based on the Mina Gamadino. Freight the Gemara. It relates to the first halacha of the Mishnah. Poskali at the Hachnas like Safim Salah Nasa Shishidon Hainu Poisik Kinegdam Chamisha Asamano. Isn't that mamish what the Mishnah said on Amin Aleph? The Mishnah on Amin Aleph said that if she brought in the Nadunya Elif Dinar a thousand Dinar, said Allah is you write fifteen hundred Mana. Right? You add another fifty percent. Same exact halacha. Poskali Hachnas like Safim Salah Nasa Shishidon. So why do we have to repeat the halacha twice? So the Gemara says the answer is Tana Iskar Rabba v'Tana Iskazuta because the Tana of the Mishnah wanted to tell me this halacha if it's a big dollar amount and Iskar Rabba and tell it to me if it's a small dollar amount. By the way, Rashi says the word Iska doesn't mean money. The word Iska means investments, as in Heter Iska of Hilchas Ribis fame. But being that money can be used to invest, so we're referring to money here as an Iska, and that's the whole point, as we're about to see. Right, the whole concept of adding on the fifty percent is because the money could have been invested, and had it been invested, it would have been worth more money. That's why we're referring to the money as iska. But really it's tana mamayin rabba and mamayin zuta. And the Mara says, the tana mission needed to tell me this halacha side with a bigger dollar amount, it's side with a small dollar amount. Why did tana iska rabba? Because I only know about iska rabba, I would have thought enough is revacha. You know why did you add 50%? Because a lot of money, you have more investment opportunities, and there's more of an opportunity to make a lot of money. And as a result, you would have thought, there you have to take into a cheshben the opportunity cost. Aval iska zuta. But if it's a small dollar amount, the zuta revacha, where you don't have the same Opportunities, aim a lot. But therefore, you need about yes, me in an iskazuta. And had I only known iskazuta, so okay, so tell me iskazuta, kalvachimer iskarabba. So I would have thought iskazuta is the zuter ziyayna. Iskazuta, you can invest and the expenses associated, whatever that investment's going to be, are going to be minimal. But if it's already a greater iska, greater geshaft, the nafish do you know, where you're going to have more expenses, so true, you could have invested it. But then again, all the headaches that would have came with, and the marba nechasa, marba daigin, all the monetary expenses. So maybe you don't have to compensate her for that. Therefore, we needed to have it in both halachas. The Mishnah says that for every mana that she brings into the ksuba, the chasen has to take upon himself tending Narim lekupa. What does that mean? So for every mana she brings into the ksuba, the chasen takes upon himself. I'm going to give you ten dinarim towards the kupa. my kupa. kupa shall It means towards her cosmetics, her perfumes, her makeup, all her geshaften. Ravashi said, This was only said by Yerushalayim. Rashi, In Yerushalayim, they used to wear a lot of besamim, and that's where this halacha was true. Tais asks Akasha from a Gemara Yumal Amitesh that we've spoken about a lot over the years, not for now, that the Mishnah says that the Reich Akhtoris that came from Yerushalayim was so gewaldic that even a kala didn't have to wear besamim. So if even a kala didn't have to wear besamim, Frank Deutsch over here, Dafkin Yerushalayim, you're giving her all this money for besamim. I thought Dafkin Yerushalayim, you didn't have to give any money for besamim. So Deutsch says that 
quoting Rabbeinu Tam, that who says besamim means perfume? Besamim means all her and yonim. doesn't have to mean perfume. Perfume they didn't need, but she still needed makeup. And as a result, that must be what we're talking about. But Ravashi, Ravashi asked the Shiloh. First question. So when we say for every mana, you have to give asara dinarim towards besamim. Mana meaning every mana that she actually delivered, or mana meaning based on what it says in the Ksuba mana. We just saw there's a, a disconnect between those two numbers. It could be inflated by 50%, it could be deflated by 20%. So is it the mana hanishaim or the mana hamaskabal? That's a very obvious follow-up question to the previous command that we just learned. And then he said, If you're going to tell me it's a man amiskabel, you have to give this only the first day of the marriage or every single day. Now, every single day you have to give these ten dinarm towards the kupa. Shabbos rishayin is it only for the first week, the week of Shabbos brachas? Maybe every week. Is it only for the first month? Maybe it's for every month. And if it's every month, it's only for Shana Rishayna. I call Shana Vashana. Or maybe it's for every end. The Gemara says, Teku, Tishbi, Taritz, Kushis, Vabayas. I don't know the answer to this. If you look at Rashi and Toysfis, Shneim Nishavnu Lodavarechad. Rashi says, Eni Yodea Liyashiv Seder Boyas Adolu Lufishita Sashas. I'm not really sure. I'm having a hard time giving Zechanets over here of how to make this, all these Ibayas Kanak. There's many Tmiyas in these Ibayas. What are all the greatest Tmiyas? So I'll just mention two. Number one, it sounds like from the Gemara, it started off with a question. When we say 10 dinar for every mana, is it the mana that you actually brought or is it the mana of Ashtayt and Ksuba? If you're going to tell me it's the mana Hamaskabal, is it the first day or every day, the first week, every month? What's it to do with Intim Tzolayma? Intim Tzolayma always means, I'll ask you a shayla. Choice A, choice B. If you pick A, then I have another question. And then if you pick B, I have another question. And then in the second question, if you pick A, I have a fourth question. Over here, whether you say mana hanishaim or you say mana hamaskabel, all these next questions would seem to flow. So what is the intim soleim doing here? Right? That's one of the obvious questions here. But an even more obvious question, which Tysus asks, and that is, it sounds like there's a tzad in the Gemara, that every single day for the rest of her life, you have to give her 10 dinarim, for every single mana that she brought into the Ksuba. Taisha says, this guy is going to be broke in a very, very short time. It doesn't make sense. Literally. So she brought in for the rest of his life. This is the most expensive from everything we've learned in Ksuba so far. Mezoinus and Maisi Adayim is nothing compared to this. It's the Kupish al that took this guy down, right? It's Bashir. Every five minutes, he's giving him more Besamim. So Taisha is having a very hard time trying to give Zechanets a Bashir shot in this Gemara. So Taisha says, Mestamo, you have to say, that really, the Gemara wasn't discussing what the gross amount of kupa shal you have to give. Right? You have to give a, a kupa shal that equals asara dinarim for every money that was brought in. The question is how you distribute it. How do you deliver it? Do you deliver it every day? Do you deliver it the first day? Is it the first day of the first week? The first day of the first month? Maybe every day, but Avada, it's not a, a new Hischaifis every single day. The Hischaifis is whatever the Hischaifis, that's going to be determined under the Chuppah. And we're going to figure out for every money that was brought in tending Narim of Psalmim towards this Kupashal Psalmim. The question is how you deliver it. You have to come up with all the money now. You can pay it out over time. Exactly how it's done. That was the Ibayas. And that's what the Gemara said. We're going to have to wait for Teiku. Just one postscript. I'm Rabbi Yudam Ayrat. I said there was a story. Bebitoy shal nagdimon ben-gurion. Shepaskolach hachamim arbem meye zuhuvim. Lekupe shal besamim. Leboi bayoim. They determined that for one day, 
Nachim ben Gurion, he's from the Grace Gvirim. We'll learn more about him in the beginning of tomorrow's daf. So they decided that his daughter needed four hundred zehuvim of kupa shalbasam just for that one day. Amr lehem, and she told them, "This is what you're giving me." This is my arrangement. Your daughter should get that. She was being Amen. This time, in contrast to the Gemara we saw yesterday, they all said Amen with the with with grace of Kavana because this is incredible, incredible Ashiras. But relative to what this girl was used to, apparently she didn't think it was very much. Either way, one ha'ara related to yesterday's daf, and that is yesterday's daf. The Gemara told the story about Choyma Devisuda Abaya, we'll just end the week, Be'ezus Hashem, with a, a light raid by it. And that is, the Gemara says that after Abaya passed away, so his wife Choyma came to Rava's court asking for an arrangement from Abaya's estate. She wanted to be taken care of. So Rava sat down and gave her a list of what exactly she was going to be entitled to. So she asked Rafa, what about wine? He didn't give me any wine. So Rafa told Abaya's wife, Chaimo, I know that he never drank wine. I know Abaya. He never drank wine, which means he didn't give you wine. It's not part of the arrangement. I mean, it's true. If you were accustomed to drinking wine, I would give you wine. But at the same time, I know for a fact, and if that's the case, I'm not giving you wine. So she said, you think Abaya didn't give me wine? I swear in the name of the Master. That not only did he give me wine, but he used to give me wine in these huge goblets. And the Gemara tells the story with Basra Chizda, Katlonis, but that was yesterday's, right? But she told Rabbi, you're not correct. It's not true. Abaya used to drink wine. Abaya used to give me wine. Not just that, he used to give me a lot of wine. Now, there's a very obvious question in this Gemara, and that is, Did Abaya drink wine, or did Abaya not drink wine? This seems to be a machloikis between Rava, and not Abaya, but Abaya's wife, right? Mamash a machloikis over here. A Rava held that Abaya did, didn't drink wine. Yodana be'i achmoni, shasi chamra. And Rava seemed, and Abaya's wife, Choyma, seemed to say, and she didn't just say it, she swore it, that they used to drink wine. So which one was it? Did Abaya drink wine or did Abaya not drink wine? This is the question. So Rapinchas Williger shared with me a beautiful Maramakim. It's from Hagoyen, Rabbi Yaakov Chaim Seifer Shlita. It's in a Sefer Eidos Biyakov Chelik Beis. It's Simen Nunvav. And the name of the Simen is Be'inyin Yodano Benachmoni and he starts off the shtickel asking this question. He says, did Abaya drink wine or did Abaya not drink wine? Rava was positive, and this is Rava talking, that Abaya did not drink wine, yet Abaya's own wife swore that Abaya really used to drink wine, and now did he drink wine, he even used to drink a lot of wine. So he says that the emesis, I think, in order to maybe understand this a little bit, we have to take a step backwards and we have to delve in a little bit to the life and times and the trials and tribulations of the great Amorah Abaya. So he says that it's Mavur in many Gemaras that Abaya was an Araman. Just to mention three. Shabbos, Daflam, and Gimel, Amad, Aleph. The Gemara over there is discussing a certain illness that was called Hadroikin. And the Gemara says there were three different types of Hadroikin that a person could be diagnosed with. And the causes of the three different Hadroikins were different. Some Hadroikin came because a person 
was involved in Kishuf. There was an Adroikin that a person got because he was too involved in Znus. And then there was Adroikin that a person got if he was Oiskehingert. He hadn't eaten. Through famine, that can cause Adroikin as well. So the Gemara says, Abaye Choshpe. Abaye got Adroikin. Oh my Rav. Rav said, Yodano Beben Achmoni. Sounds familiar? The Michfin Nafshe. So Rav says, I know why Abaye got Adroikin. He got Adroikin the Michfin Nafshe because he's starving. Rashi. Shemachmas Rav Boloi. This is something that came to because he was so hungry don't be that he got Hadraikin because he was involved in, in Yon Isnos. It has nothing to do with that. But rather, the reason Abayah got Hadraikin is because he's so hungry. And one of the causes of Hadraikin is a person that is Oiskehingert. And Yodana Beben Achmari, the Machvenafshe, it sounds like Abayah was an armad. man. He didn't even have food. He was so hungry to the point that he ended up. He ended up with Hadroikin. There's a Gemara Masechtis Erevin. This Gemara is in Perikadar. The Gemara over there says that Rabbi Bar Barchanan came to a certain Mavo. It was Erev Shabbos. And he noticed that there was no Erev. There was no Shitufei Mavoyas. So the Gemara said, he turned to Abai and he said, Mavoyad is betrayed Gravri Ravrabi Kirabonon. There's two Gavri Rabbas that are living in this Mavo. Rabba and Abayah. Is it possible that you have no Eruv Chatseris and you have no Shitu Fenomoyas? Sabayah told Rabba Barbarchan and he said, My Navid, you think we don't know that? Of course, we wanted to make an Eruv Chatseris. We wanted to make a Shitu Fenomoyas, but there was no way for us to do it. And he said, I'll tell you why. I'll work. I'll walk you through the cheshboinus that we made. Mar, for Rabba to be involved and to have to start drengzich around the mavoy and collecting matzahs and things from everybody. It's ain't a lafich void for him to do this. Anami, taridna begarsai. So I'm too busy learning. I'm a buyer, right? So if I'm sitting and learning all day, I don't really have time to go start collecting and being an askin and getting involved in matzahs. Inu, as it, as it relates to everybody else living in this city, like mashkechi, they're not interested. So, Who's supposed to put this together, right? The way you do a sheet of, the way you do an air is you take food from everybody. For me, and no one else is interested. No one else cares. And as a result, it didn't happen. Now he says, I know what you're thinking. What I should do is I should take a little bit of my own bread, which is what we do, and be maknid on behalf of everybody in the mafia. Said Abayav, I akni Peter Basala, if that's what I'm going to do, what happens if they come to me and they say, Abaya, I heard you were mezakimi with a matzah. Could I have the matzah? You know what's going to happen? I won't be able to give it to them. I won't be able to. Because I'm so poor that I can't afford to give somebody a matzah. And you know what happens? If somebody asks you for the shituf and you say, I'm sorry, I can't give it to you, bottle a shituf. The whole shituf is bottled. The tiny surprise. And for that reason, there's no way to do it. Incidentally, when we learned Erev and we spoke out, in a chuvan, a rechaim, Simon Sadik said that this Gemara is one of the Makairis that really is supposed to have an Erev. And you should do anything you could do to have an Erev. And it's based on what Rabbi Bar Ravchan and told Abayim, Avoyed the Ispe trade, Gavri, Ravri, Karabon, Loy, the Havibe, Loy, Erev. What was the cash? He's supposed to have maybe an Arab Zabidiyevet. What's the whole taina? So the Chassam Soifer in his famous tshuva said that from this Gemara you see that really you're supposed to have an Arab. But Abayah told him that there was no Cheshben. And the Cheshben of why there was no way to do it was because Rabbi's not going to do it, Abayah's not going to do it, nobody else cares. And for me to be makna my own in Yonim, I can't. And you can't be maknit as a chuk of a tlula. It has to be real. It has to be a situation that if they come and they ask you for it, you're going to give it to them. And I'm not in a position to be able to do that. This is another Gemara. Very, very clear that Abayah was a Yor, an Aramah. A third Gemara. This Gemara is a Mesechtis Megillah 
All these Gemaras are classics. The Gemara says, This is in the context of Sudas Purim. He said, When I left Mar, when I left Rabbah's house, I was full. Meaning, I went to Rabbah, it was Purim, and I was full. I had eaten my Sudas Purim, I was in a very, very good place. Then I came to the house of Mori Barmar, and Krivuli, they started serving me food. This Gemara will sound familiar. There was 60 plates of 60 different appetizers. And I ate 60 parts of all these 60 different things. The last thing they brought, it had a name, and it was called Tzli Kader. And it was so good. I wanted to eat the actual plate. Amr Abayo. So Abayo said afterwards, this is regarding his own Maisa. So Abayo said, This is what people mean when they say, Kofen An Yavalayada. And our man is so poor, he doesn't even how hungry he is. He said, He's so not in tune with his body because he's so not used to eating. He said, I was so hungry that I thought I was full. In the meantime, I was so hungry, I was even able to eat the plate. And he said, Kofen An Yavalayada. What do you see from here? Couldn't be more Mufurish that Abayo was an Araman. Abayo was a. Real, real Araman. Rabbi Yaakov Chaim Seifer says that once you notice that, you'll see there's many, many Gemaras and Shas where Abaya talked about different Hanhogas of an Oni. And this gives it a lot of color because where it's coming from is not just the idea, a survey that Abaya took, but this is coming from his real life experience. The Gemara says in Shabbos, I endowed Amad Aleph. Abaya said, Shekain oni oichel pitoi beloik tisha. Allah and Hilcha Shabbos. Abaya talking. Shabbos I involve on the base. Omra Abaya. Shekain oni oichel pitoi be isa belusa. Shabbos kufbez on the base. Also Hilcha Shabbos. Omra Birmia. Shekain oni choifer gumalats near Baprutois. Abaya Omar. Kivan Shemishtachilo Abdi Hochi Vahochi Anim. No, Daniim don't really do those things. Erichin Chav Gimel Amad Aleph. Omra Abaya. Bosser Anya. Aslo Aneusa, Nedarim Emalaf Amadalaf, Am Rabbi, Noctinon, Ain Oni Elobadas, the Chohena Rabbis. I'm just giving an abridged version. There's so many Gemaras where Abaya is talking about the, the trials and tribulations of an Oni. How Abaya know so well, and why does it seem to be so often that Abaya is talking about the Araman? Because Abaya was an Araman. And because he was an Araman, so he had real life experience, and it was based on the real life experience that Abaya said what he said. But there's a problem with this whole. Thesis. I mean, it's Mufur Shagamaras that Abaya was an Araman. But it's a little bit of an issue, and that is because there are other Gemaras that would seem to imply that Abaya maybe wasn't such an Araman. Brochus Memheyam at Beis. The Gemara there is discussing Birchus Amazin, and the Gemara says that a person, the olden days used to be, might see other people with Birchus Amazin, with Birchus Azimun, it's a Perak Shloisha Sha'achlu. Abaya's minig was When he would bench, he would bench very, very loud. So his Poyalim, his workers, his staff of people that were working for him, they should hear his Brochel like this, they'll be able to say Amen. Abaya has a staff of people working for him. I thought Abaya is the coffin Anyavlayada. He's so hungry, he doesn't mechap how hungry he is. We just had a Gemara this week, where the Gemara says, Arise da Abaya. Abaya had an Aris, and he came and he asked him a question regarding a, a main guess, and Abaya gave him the wrong psak, and then he ran after him and he couldn't chap him. But Arise da Abaya, usually an Aris, was someone that worked for a person that owned land, as Gemena Shtikalagvir, and that's why he had an Aris. Otherwise, he would have been the Aris. So, what does that mean that he has an Aris working for him? I thought Abaya was mamish, so destitute. So, where does Abaya come to having an Aris? Chulin Kofen. 
Every single day, Abayah would go out and he would examine his field and he would take a look at all the things that he had. And the Gemara tells a story. One day, one of his poyalim came and he saw something that... But the bottom line is he has poyalim, he has an oris, he has all his nechosim. So is Abayah such an oris man? Or does Abayah fakir? He has a portfolio of assets. I mean, Luchur, there seems to be some, some mixed... Mashmoyesim from the different Gemaras. But the Emes is, there's a Gemara that brings us to light. And that's a Gemara Mesech des Brochus, Tafnun Vav Aleph. Not nearly enough time to go through the entire Gemara, but it's a Gemara that we all know. The Gemara tells a story that Abaya and Rava, their fates were very intertwined. Abaya and Rava are synonymous with each each other in Shas. One of the things that they had in common was, the Gemara says they used to dream the same dreams. And they both used to go to a Pesach Aloymas to... Be mafater and to try to decipher what exactly these dreams meant. The name of the Poisa Chaloimus was the infamous Barhedya. So the Gemara says that Abai and Ravu would both go to Barhedya, but they had a different meaning. Abai's meaning was he would stip him a dollar, he would give him a few dollars. Ravu, it was a free service as far as he knew, and as a result, he just followed the rules. He didn't give him anything. Lamaisa, every time Abai would come and he would tell Barhedya about the dream that he had, Barhedya would tell him, This is dream. You have no idea what's coming. Your fortune's going to change. You're going to have a zam yutzlichtige life you can't imagine. Everything Rava came, he's got an ungesetz. The Rava was fasting, tainus chaloim, mamish, day after day after day. And Abai, it's yontif and the because of all these great chaloim. And the Gemara literally goes through dream after dream after dream, exactly how it played itself out. Just going to mention a few. The Gemara says, Abai and Verova separately went to Barhedya and they told him that, you know, we had a dream and in the dream it said, Your shor is going to be tovuach, it's going to be shachot le'einecho. So the Gemara says, you know, Barhedya told Abai, he told him, Marvach iskoch, you're going to have an isko, today's daf, it's going to be an iskarabo. Right? You're going to have an isko. And you're not going to be able to eat. And the reason you're not going to be able to eat is because you're going to be so besimcha. When a person is so besimcha, he can't even eat. So you're going to be so besimcha that you're not going to be able to eat from this great simcha that you're going to have because of this because of all this money you're going to make. Abayah told Barhed, yeah, I had a dream and the Dream quoted the Pasuk in Kohelas, So Barhedi said, Oh, Abai, you know what this means? He told him, You're going to make so much money. So you're going to eat and you're going to drink. And your mom is going to be walking around saying, You're going to be singing this song. Abayu comes to Barhedya and he tells him, I had another dream. And in this dream, I had a Pasuk in the Toichacha. Zera Rav You're going to put Zera Rav into your field. But the Arab is going to come and the grasshoppers, the locusts, and they're going to, to take it away. So he told him, Abayu, don't focus on the end of the Pasuk. Just focus on the beginning of the Pasuk. Zera Rav You're going to be a gross there. He came to me, he told him, I had another dream. It says, Zeisim he told him again, yeah, that's exactly what it's coming to tell you. Then he told him he had a dream, he saw lettuce. So what could lettuce already mean? He says, oh, what do you mean? You know what lettuce is? Lettuce, it's all over the place, lettuce, right? You have a head of lettuce that think is coming out from everywhere. So he told him, Oyef iskoch kechasa. He says, you're, this is like from the Simon at Rosh Hashanah. So he told him, Oyef iskoch kechasa. He says, your business, your gesheftin is going to be mamish like this. He came to him again and he told him that I saw basar. I had a dream and I had a keg of wine. On top of the keg of wine, there was a little bit of flesh. So he told him, basar and chamber. You know what's coming to 
tell you, it's coming to show you that your wine, you're going to have a, a wine business, you're going to have a vineyard, and your wine is going to taste so good that people are going to come from the whole world. This goes on and on and on. So Abai is having dreams, he's going to Barhedia, and Barhedia is telling him that at some point he's going to be a great Sigvir. You know, the Gemara says there in Parakaraya that these dreams actually came true. It came true. And because these dreams came true, so Abaya Taka became a great Sigvir. So Abaya was an Araman. Shabbos Lamed Gimel. We have the Gemara Megillah Davzayin. Mufurish Gemaris, where there's no question Abaya was an Araman. And then all of a sudden, he has Hever working for him. You have Brachas Memhei. You have Chulin Dav Kufe. You have Ksubis Dav Samach. So what happened? Something changed. And it's Mephurish in a Gemara in Brachas. But what changed? The dream is what changed? No. How did this happen? Like, what was the catalyst? How did this all play itself out? So Yaakov Chaim Soifer said, I think the Pshat is Poshit. A Poshit to Poshit to Pshat. And that is based on another Gemara. The Gemara is in the Sechtis. Soita Daf Memo Menalef. The Gemara says, Rabavo Imnu Rabbanu Nalal Namidna Beresha. Bonner wanted that Rabbi Vo should become the Rosh Hashiva. So they were looking for a Rosh Hashiva, and the question was, who was the most worthy, viable candidate? And they decided Rabbi Vo is the one. Keep the chaz of the Rabbi Abedemenakoi, listen to this Gemara. Rabbi Vo saw there was a year, his name was Rabbi Abedemenakoi. He was also worthy of being Rosh Hashiva, maybe not on the level of Rabbi Vo, but he was worthy of being Rosh Hashiva, and he had a lot of chayvis. He knew that in, in a, he was in a very dire financial situation. So Rabbi Vo said, let him better be the Rosh Hashiva. What the fact that he had chayvus have to do with making him the Rosh Hashiva? Zok the Hilger Rashi. Soit the Mem Amad Aleph. Amar Rabba Vo. Islan Rabba. Chacham v'gadol v'roi leisha b'roish yoisem imen. This person is more worthy of being the Rosh Hashiva. Kedai. The reason he said this was she yoishivu b'roish. So he should be the Rosh Hashiva. V'nois noloi manois. They're going to give him gifts. They're going to make him into an usher. So like this will be respected. And they'll listen to what he has to say. And so, Rashi, what's the precedent to this minig? That's referring to the coin Godel. This is what you're supposed to do. So the Gemara says that in the olden days, the way Rashi is Mepharish the Gemara, they used to make Roshiva Gvir. And the reason was he should be an Ishmachubit. People would listen to him. But the point is they would make him into an usher. And that's why Rabbi Vo. Had the opportunity to be Rosh Shiva. Rabbi Vokiyadua was Torah Vigdula. He was uh, a Yoshev Roish by the, by the Romans, right? Rabbi Vo, all the Yeshuas that Kaiso got through Rabbi Vo. But the point is, is that Rabbi Vo didn't need it. And Rabbi Vo said, you know, this Yid I know needs it. And as a result, give it to him. This idea, Zakrab Yaakov Chaim Soif, is also tucked away in a Gemara that we've learned a thousand times together. Kemat Baligusma. And that's the Gemara of Ulfa Virabyechana in Tainus Tafchafal Famaral. So we're not going to go through the Gemara. But one of the things the Gemara says that when Rabyechan went back to Yeshiva, it says Malach Rabyechan. Right? Ulfa comes back and he finds that Rabyechan became Melech as Gavar and Koenig. He became king? What does it mean he became king? So Rashi explains it. What it means is he became the Rosh Hashiva. So why would you call the Rosh Hashiva the Melech? Because Miniku, Misha who Rosh Hashiva, who you megadlan oisam, Mishalahem, Umashirin oisam, Kidamin el Gabi Kongodol, Besifra, Ubiyuma Yutres, Vakoin, Nagodom Yachov, 
Gadleyo Mishalecha. But either way, it's a Gemara in Soita Daf Memamad Aleph, Ayin Shamber Rashi, Ayin Rashi, or Ayin Pirish Hamiyuchas Larashi, anyways. In Tainus Daf Chafalif Amad Aleph, and it's based on the Gemara Yuma Daf Yudches, that when somebody became Rosh Hashiva, they used to instantaneously make him into an Asher. That was the Metzias. So he says that the Gemara says in Hayris Daf Yudalad Amad Aleph, that at some point they were looking for a Rosh Hashiva, and they didn't know who to appoint, and Nimnu Vagamru, they all decided that Abayu was going to become the Rosh Hashiva. So he said, Yesh Shloimer, that's what's going on over here. Abayu was an armed man. That's always what he was. Was Gavan Rosh Hashiva. <laughs> became Rosh Hashiva, he won the lottery. And because he now became the Rosh Hashiva, all of a sudden, there's an idea of you have to give him monois and ashiris. And all of a sudden, as Gavan aggressive Gvir to the point that he has workers coming out of every Dauphin Shaskamat. And all of a sudden, as a grace But it all came because of the fact that he became the Rosh Hashiva. Listen to a subtle dick. So, Taich Dvar, in the middle of the shtickle, he says that Yesh Loimar, everyone knows this Gemara. And come on, every Gemara we're mentioning is a classic. The Gemara says in Shabbos, Kuf Yutches on the days on the bottom. Goes into Kufyo Tesam Ralph. I'm Rabbi Tesili. I'm going to get scared. The Kichazina Tsubim Rabbonon, the Shalom Masechta. Because when I see a Tsubim Rabbonon that finishes a Masechta, a Vidna Yaymatab the Rabbonon. I make a big Suda, right? I make a big party. This is Abaya, this is the Makar to making a, a Siam. So, says Rashi. Abaya said that if I ever see a Tsubim Rabbonon that Shalom Masechta, I make a Yaymatab the Rabbonon. Listen to Rashi's Lashin. A Vidna Yaymatab the Rabbonon, little Midim. He used to make the Yemetov to the Tamidim. So, Rashi Rosh Hashiva. It was Rosh Hashiva. So, Saifa said, Why does Rashi have to say it was the Rosh Hashiva? Why is that necessary? Why do you have to say he was the Rosh Hashiva? So, Al Derech Apshat, you can say it. But he said, Yesh Loim Alafia now that Rashi is telling us a little bit of a Tamnista. Rashi was bothered. Abaya? Is making a yom tov the rabbanon. He doesn't have the means to make a yom tov the rabbanon every time a young man finishes a masechta. So Rashi Rosh Hashiva Haya, and when he became Rosh Hashiva as a gavar nanoisher, kimavur in sight the daf mem and in Rashi in the sugi of Ilfa v'Rav Yochanan. If he was a Rosh Hashiva, that's how he was able to make all this nisiyumim. All of a sudden, he's a nanoisher, and therefore it was already shaykh. That's what Rashi means when he says Rosh Hashiva Haya. But the bottom line is, is that Abaya was a story of rags to riches. At one point, Abai was Mamish and Araman. He suffered from Hadroikin. He was coughing Anya of Yod. He didn't realize how hungry he was. This is Abaya. But then at the same time, Abaya ends up becoming a Gvir. So Rabbi Chaim Saifa said that maybe you could understand the Gemara in Shabbos, Kuf Chafhem, Abay is a little bit better. The Gemara is talking about a certain Begit. And the question is this Begit has a shir to be Makabal Tumma, doesn't have a shir to be Makabal Tumma. Abaya Amar, Abaya said, If the beggar doesn't have Sholosh al Sholosh, He says, Abaya knew both. He knew it from the perspective of the Ani and from the perspective of the Usher. So he said, It's like, But with this epic shtickle, he says that, Maybe, maybe. Still schwer, but maybe we can make this Gemara a little bit better. Rava said, Yodano Beiman Achmoni Dolishasi Chamra. I know Abaya. Abaya never drank wine. Abaya never drank wine. He was an armed man. He couldn't afford wine. Wine is always a sim of That's why in Shulchan Aruch it's brought down when you make Kiddush and Abdullah, you overflow the cup a little bit because it's a sim of Ashiris. He couldn't afford to drink wine and he never drank wine. But somewhere along the way, Abaya became an oyster. 
And when Abayi became an Oishu, his minic changed. But Rav didn't know his minic changed. But Chaymed the Visa the Abayi did know his minic changed. The Elu the Elu Divrei Lekim Chaim in another Machlokes here between Rav, not Abayi, but Abayi's wife, Chaymed the Visa the Abayi. I just want to end with one epic Chasam Soifer, and that is the Chasam Soifer in one of his drushes. One of his drushes for Shabbos Shuvah. It's Dovah Be'itai. So he says something that's nifladik. He says that we know Abaya was a Yasin. Abaya never saw his father. Abaya never saw his mother. Who raised Abaya? Rabba raised Abaya. It's for that reason that Rab Abaya in our Gemara is referred to as Nachmani because Rabba was Rabba Bar Nachmani or Rabba Bar Nachmani. And for that reason, he's known as he's known as Nachmani. But the point is that who raised Abaya, Rabbi was the one that raised Abaya. So the Chasam Soifer says in the middle of the shtickle, he says, the Gemara says in my cotton Chavches Aleph that Rabbi was an Oni. He was a Talmud Chachem Gadol. He was an Oni Betachles Anios. And says the Chasam Soifer, so was Abaya. And the reason Abaya was also is because Rabbi raised Abaya, and Rabbi was an Oni Betachlis Oanios, and it's for that reason Abaya also ended up being an Oni Betachlis Oanios. But he asks a Mordegakasha. He says, if Rabbi took upon himself the Achrayas to raise this young child Abaya, didn't he have a responsibility to make sure that he was going to have means to support himself? A father has an obligation to teach his child an umness. So Rabbi, who's been megadol yosem b'toich beisay, that's malu all of akos of kilu yodoi, so l'churi, he should have had an achrayis, he should have had a responsibility to give him what it was he needed. He should have an achrayis to make sure that when Abaya grows older, he's going to have the basic necessities, what it is he needs. Also, Rabbi is an oraman betachlis o'anius, so memeil Abaya also ended up being an oraman betachlis o'anius. Rabbi seemed to have shirked his responsibility as being a megadol yosem b'toich Basically, to make sure that he was going to give him whatever he needs. So, Zok de Hilgechsam Soifer, Machstatois. Rabbi gave Abaya everything that he needed. You know what he did? He raised him to become Abaya. That Avada person has to have Rachmanus on a Yosin. And Avada, it's his Achrayis, his responsibility, is an Indian of being Megadu Yosin B'Toich Beisai. He says, But you think the Iker Chiv of being Megadu Yosin B'Toich Beisai is to give him money? The Iker Chiv is to make sure that this child, who's a Yosin, who right now doesn't have a father to be. And he doesn't have a mother so that he'll have the Torah You have to come in their place and you have to make sure that this child right now is going to vaxois to be what this child would have been if he had his parents to take care of him. And Abayah took that Achrayas and he owned it. And Abayah, and Rabbah did. And Rabbah raised the great Abayah. So it's Vadi he took upon this Achrayas. He brought him into his house. And he brought him to his house and what he did was he was He understood what the Tachlis in this world is. is yeah, he can give him a nice job that's fine it'll be set up in a very very nice way or or he can live betachlis on neos but at the same time he's going to vaxois to be the great abaya so the chasam soifer said that it's your dua he brings it from the sefer yuchsen we've mentioned it many many times that abaya is roshe tevis asher becho yerucham yosem said the chasam soifer who named abaya asher becho yerucham yosem it's mistabri was rabbi 
Rabbi's grain is Tata. And Rabbi is probably the one that gave him the name Abaya. And he says, you know why he gave him that name? Because what he was trying to be Miramas was, he said, I want you to understand, I'm going to raise you. I'm going to have Rachmanus on you, like you're supposed to have Rachmanus on a, on a child, on a Yasim, someone that you're raising in your house. But the Rachmanus I'm going to have is Becha. It's going to be in the Evishta. I'm going to make sure that you're going to learn Torah. I'm going to make sure you have the right Rabbeim. And if it comes at the expense of Tachlis or Aniyah, so be it. But at the same time, you're going to vaccinate to be the great Abaya. And he said, Abaya's name goes down as Asher Becha Yeruchim Yosim. You want to know how you merachim on a Yosim? It's Becha. It's Becha B'Tayroscha U'Bavadoscha. And Rabba, as a Hisnatzlus, gave Abaya the name Abaya to say Asher Becha Yeruchim Yosim. You think because my Abaya so he doesn't have and he's not uh, Be'umnis. So that means he does, he's not set up for life and that I'm not taking care of my Achrayas of being Megadu Yosim B'Tayich Pesah. Of course I'm being merachim. On the Yisoyimim. It's Asher Becha Yerucham Yosem. And that's the rest of the story of why Abayah's name ended up becoming Abayah.